I'm Drew Holmes. When I started learning to make music, I thought that the only way to have a career in the industry was as a performer. I could not have been more wrong. In more than 25 years in the music business, I've done many non-performing jobs from orchestra librarian to music store owner. But my experience is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm on a mission to explore the exciting and necessary jobs that make performances possible. Come with me as we go Beyond the Stage. So, reversing way, way, way back. So, you, piano lessons when you were young. What got you into that? What, what was the, uh, the motivation there? Uh, my mom forced me because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, I know. Good mother. She should have kept those. with it, right? I'm one of those. Well, my mom and my grandma were both musical. My mom can sit down and sight read almost anything. Um, she does not like performing in front of people, but she took piano lessons back and they, their piano lessons were so strict and structured where they had, you know, different levels that they had to graduate and it was some, I can't remember, it's a Canadian company that would, that did like a whole series of curriculum, but her whole family was forced to take piano lessons forever. But now she can sit down and sight read like nobody's business and she played organ for a while. So she basically said, you're going to learn how to play the piano. And I said, okay. And I had done choir and singing and just been musically involved um, since I can remember, just kind of on the side. Um, but I had a teacher, and she's a lovely woman, so this is nothing against her, but I hated lessons. I, I absolutely hated it. I hated having to practice. I hated having to have my fingers in the right spot. I thought that was the absolute worst thing in the world. I thought, well, why do I ha And I was a stubborn child who was thinking, I can do this already. I don't need to learn anything. So. I have two of those. Yeah, well, and I have so many <laughs> students. It's perfect karma now that I'm like, hey, I was you. <laughs> okay, let's figure out this. Um, so I basically took lessons for, I think, three years as a kid and then said, this isn't for me. Um, but I came back and I, again, I keep coming back in so many ways. I did bassoon when I was in middle school because I said, well, what instrument do you have that no one else is playing? Oh, this one, this is weird. And it sounds kind of like a dying animal. <laughs> Let's try it. It's fun. Um, now I love the bassoon. It's beautiful, but I always oh. thought it was like this weird moose call or something. Bassoon playing in my experience, it, it, the learning curve to it is so steep. Yes. That bassoon playing is kind of like bungee jumping. Yeah. You've got grandmaster and stuff on a rock. Oh, yeah. And there's really I always no in between. always sounded awful, right? Always sounded awful. I loved the way it sounded, and I thought it was so much fun. Um, but I can, yeah, I took, tried to take it again in college, and I had a wonderful um, professor, Clark Wilson, uh, in the Springs. And he, uh, gosh, he just made the most beautiful music come out of that thing, and I could never even get close. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not destined to be a bassoonist, so... Alas. I think you also have to have an affinity for carving little toys for indeed, imaginary children because yeah. the, the reed building happens. Yeah, I don't think I'm cut out for that either. <laughs> but it is, I can totally respect it. It's a beautiful instrument. I wish I played it better, but I didn't keep up with it. So I don't know. I just kind of found out. I think the vocal side of is where I kind of kept coming back to because yeah. I was so involved in it. Um, but yeah, I do wish I, I got to college and took a keyboarding class and kicked myself incessantly that I never just kept up with it. And my skills needed much, much honing. So. And you said you had lived abroad. Where? Uh, we After I graduated from college and with my undergrad, we moved to South Korea and we taught um, kindergarten through sixth grade for about 14 months as we needed something to do, I guess. And um, <laughs> I had a friend who was over there, and he hooked me up with a recruitment agency, and we found a school, and I wasn't going to grad school right away, and we had no direction. We were newly married, so we were like, sure. well, sure. And it was awesome. We had Not a, a care experience. in the world. You solved that right quick. You're right. <laughs> we were like, well, I guess we'll flit off to another country for a while. And it was really 
very, very, uh, it was one of the best experiences that I think we've ever, could have been the best choice we made. It was really, really cool. But music found you again. It did. Well, and it found me there, too, because I, I ended up incorporating, I was teaching English but um, and math and science, but I kept putting music into things, and we did little performances with our with our kids over there and and found some scripts and some songs for them to do for parents and stuff. So it still found me. It never left. And that's where I learned to play the ukulele because we didn't take any instruments with us, mm -hmm. and we were so bored. We were, it was like three months into our contracts, and we're sitting there going, why do we? Why are we just so bored? Oh, we don't have any music to play in our downtime. So we went to some random music shop, didn't speak Korean at the time, <laughs> picked out a ukulele and said, let's learn how to play the ukulele. And my husband, who's a guitarist, picked it up in like a day. And so he taught me. And, you know, seven, eight years later, here I am, and I teach ukulele now. It's pretty fun. So you picked up ukulele. You weren't desperate enough to become a drummer. No, I'm really bad at coordination. Um, <laughs> like multi-hand coordination is just not great for me. So um, while I feel like I have really good rhythm, I don't think I can. my brain can communicate with my hands enough to be a decent drummer. So I will leave that to other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know it's a, a hard topic to uh, talk about these days, but what, what's the future going to hold for Music at Main Street? Um, I mean, it's semi We're all averse to planning these days. I mean, I, right. I, I completely get that. That, yeah. that That's why I, I uh, kind of framed it in that way. But assuming things stay on the, the current trajectory, what's going on? My hope for Music at Main Street is that um, I would love to get back to doing some more group things, group efforts. Um, I think, like I said before, it's so important for kids to play with other people. Um, whether it's cross instrument or just people of the same instrument. Um, we're looking at expanding our location um, and getting some more space to do some more of those things. So I hope that in the future we are able to do, you know, group group classes again, um, summer camps, things like that. Um, we've even been in talks about starting our own choir up in Parker because we feel like there would be a need for that. And I have voice students all the time who are asking me, where where are auditions that I can do? Where where's something that I can get in and perform as an, a vocal ensemble um, budding artist? And so something to fill that need um, would be so amazing. So, Well, and choir is such a great activity because the barriers to entry are so low. Yeah. I mean, you, you look, uh, I at sports, for example, like American football is so equipment intensive, but right. soccer, I mean, you just need you know, football, but soccer, right. you just need a ball and something to defend against getting it into. So yeah, it, and, and, and it's so it's one of those things where you can just start. Yeah. You don't really have to know much about soccer as a kid to get involved and get going. A similar thing with choir. I mean, I tell my chorale kids all the time and, and you know, just go sing somewhere. Man, you've got a great ear. You need to get into something and just start singing. You will learn, you'll learn music literacy, you'll learn tuning, you'll learn, and if you don't stay with a, as a choir, great, but you learn so much as far as intonation and, and musical expression, and not even that, but just, I mean, how to just be an ensemble is so important for your like your life. There's so many lessons as a chorale kid. When I grew up as a chorale kid, that I apply in interpersonal communication and leadership and integrity and all this stuff that, you know, I'm sure you get in a lot with sports. You know, same kind of thing. You're learning teamwork. You're learning, um, you know, the value of being a good person, right? And, and the same thing with musical ensembles. I think you, it's all that same, same principles. It's so 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 valuable, and I don't think a lot of kids get that as much anymore. Um, so I'm like, get into something, get into an ensemble, get into a sports team, anything that's kind of teaching you. It's so, so helpful. Yeah, yeah. learning how to get beyond yourself. Yes. And outside of that, and you know, it, 
this is what we struggle with with small children. Yeah, yeah I have a five-year-old who thinks the whole world revolves around himself. <laughs> but, you know. You, because it's, from it's, his perspective, it does. Right, right. Yeah, of course. So we're in that realm of life where we're saying, okay, now what you do affects other people. And mm -hmm. remember, it's not all about your feelings because look, someone else's feelings. It's all developmental, right? But, but yeah, I live that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say to the six-year-old, like, yeah, is your brother happy or sad? Happy. No, he's crying. He's not happy. <laughs> right, right, right. Just because you want him do to be. Do you think it's because of something you did? Yeah. No. Well, you smacked him in the face with a truck. Oh, Oh, okay. he yeah. didn't like that? Yes, he didn't like that. <laughs> you wouldn't either. Right, yeah, the whole empathy thing that you're having. But there's so much of that that is taught through ensemble stuff. Yeah. Where you're, um, we did an activity in my choir last week. Um, we have a bunch of new people that came in. It's the new semester. And we all connected ourselves with yarn and made a giant spider web and pulled on different pieces of yarn. Do you think that when you're pulling on it that that's affecting someone else in the web? What happens if somebody lets go? It collapses. All these things that are, you know, things that, are easy to teach sometimes and also really hard to grasp some other mm -hmm. times um, but it's so in the context of music it's so applicable you can tell somebody's singing the wrong note somebody didn't pay attention and sing the wrong rhythm it's immediately recognizable and so they learn that and then can translate that better hopefully that's the goal into <laughs> their daily life right let's take a quick time out to hear from our sponsors Beyond the Stage is proudly sponsored by Boomer Music Company, Northern Colorado's band and orchestra experts since 1976. If you need instrument rentals, repairs, sheet music, or accessories, Boomer Music has you covered. Come to our Fort Collins showroom or visit us online at www.boomermusiccompany.com. Thepodcastingstore.com is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting and remote learning and a proud sponsor of Beyond the Stage. Whether you're a novice remote teacher or a veteran podcaster, we have the gear and the knowledge to take your content to the next level to better engage your audience. Check us out at www.thepodcastingstore.com and see what solutions we have for you. Now, let's continue our journey beyond the stage. Another story from my uh, background in the high school marching band, uh, we marched competitively in New England, and the night before finals we did a show in New Bedford, and I always loved that, being a trumpet player, they have a huge press box there. And so I would get excited, it's a night show, which was rare, and that press box was the great thing to bounce your sound off of. So I was basically, you know, bell to the box the whole show, just bouncing off it. Well, the next morning we're loading up the bus to go to finals, and people are like, oh, can we hear the judges' tape? And our uh, instructor's like, oh, no, there's something wrong with the tape. He pulls me aside, he's like, come here and listen to this tape. Oh, no. So we listened to it, and all you could hear was me. And this was the general effect music tape. It was like yeah. the judge was standing in front of me the whole time. Oh, gosh. And he threatened me with some words that I'm not going to use here if I ever did that again. You know, lesson learned. But yeah. the, the point of all that is really what we're talking about is what I did had an effect on everyone else. Right. And, you know, I, by being so insular, it was harming the performance. Yeah. And so you got to understand, you know, other people have feelings, other people have contributions. You have to blend into that. Right. Or it's going to, it's just not going to work the way that it's supposed to. Well, and it hurts everybody. Yeah. No matter what your role, and I mean, again, this is so translatable to like, now being a, uh, an owner of a business who manages staff, like this is a complete <laughs> lesson that I that you have to learn. Same thing as if you're in a show with somebody or you're playing a, a gig, no matter what part you have, if you're a principal or supporting player or, or whatever instrument you're playing, um, the same thing. What you do, it's not just about your part. Your part is never the most important part. Even if you're the lead in a musical or in a mm -hmm. show, you are never the most important part. And 
and if you can see that and work cohesively with other people um, and get along with other people and, and be respectful of all the moving parts in an organization or in a production, you're going to be so much more successful. I think you'll find way more um, meaningful connections with other people, and what that ends up leading to is more opportunities. I mean, we've had so many... I hear that all the time from someone, oh, they're so wonderful to work with. You would love to work with them again. Yes, they show up on time, Yes, they, but they communicate so well and they're so flexible and blah, blah, blah. All those things as a young musician are what you don't think about, but then all uh, so many of the opportunities I've come in contact with and now as hiring people, I remember that. I remember, oh man, you work so well as a team. We really gel all together. I want you on all my projects type of a thing. And there, there was a gentleman uh, that was local to us in Fort Collins. He moved away, uh, Todd Brubaker, a great bass trombone player. And <clears throat> when I introduced him to Jamie, my wife, um, he said, he, he, he shook her hand and, and pointed at me and said, he's the best section trumpet player in town. And I always refer to that as the best compliment I've ever received. Yeah, oh, that's so nice. Because it, when you realize what the implications are of that, that yeah. that's, you know, that is someone that's a team player that, right. that puts the ensemble ahead. And at the time I was playing a, in a big band with Todd and I was sitting third trumpet. Well, that is a very important role in the overall scheme of things because you know, second is playing the jazz yeah. and first is the high flying, but you're reinforcing that. If the first player sounds good and no one notices I'm there, I did it right. Right. Right, because, and I always think about that with like the alto line. I'm like, I love, I have so many kids mm -hmm. in my choirs who like, they don't want to sing alto because they want to sing the melody. They want to sing the soprano. Right, it's a natural thing. But I'm like, I teach my, I had a sectional with altos a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you guys, you're like, you're like the strong, you are what makes it all crunchy and beautiful. Yeah. You create the dissonance, you create the resolution. It's you, you're really fun. Um, and I, I, I like to think that I will convert some altos in my life. Because at my <laughs> core, I went to college as a coloratura soprano, but I hated it to some extent because I always grew up in alto and I love those middle harmonies. It's really fun. Same kind of thing. You have to be the supporting player sometimes. You, and it, there's times that you can be a lead and times that you shift back. Um, but you're saying, you know, that whole reputation thing is so important. I mean, not that it, your reputation is the best thing ever, but I mean, it's so interesting the people that I will hire or ask for recommendations and I say, oh yeah, well, they're a great person to work with, but man, I, I know that they're, they'll bring it musically, you know, or they'll, yeah. and that, so both sides are equally, I think, important is if you're going to be a professional musician or, or work with musicians on a regular basis. Yeah, knowing your role and what the most important role is to fill at that moment yeah. is, is crucial. Yeah. Well, what have I not touched upon in all of this that you would love to, to deliver <laughs> to the, the audience that's uh, you know, finding out about you and about what's going on in, in Parker? Us. I don't know. I think that, um, okay, I think, I think two things. I guess I, guess, I kind of think the first thing is, is if you're a teacher, the biggest thing that I have learned so far in my teaching career has been to keep people engaged. Um, if you're not engaged in what you're learning, you're not going to do it. And you're not going to commit to it, and there's, you won't have your heart in it, and so it will never be as good of a product, um, a final result. And I think about that with, you know, with music. I have some kids who come in, and they're happy doing book and classical music, and that's all day long. They love it. They love going through the books and, and doing things. And I have other kids who come in, and they completely say, I don't care unless it's, I'm learning a Legend of Zelda song, or I'm learning something that... I listened to Lindsey Sterling play and I would love to replicate, whatever. Yes, you need to do some theory and some fundamentals, but let's keep, do something that makes you sit down and actually practice and sit down and play it and gets you excited about wanting to learn it. Um, 
So engagement has been a big thing that I've learned on trying to keep your students engaged, trying to keep yourself engaged in a project so that you're not getting burnt out. Um, and I just think, I don't know, as a, as a teacher who also is a performer, I think there's a, there's a balance that is really hard. That's the biggest thing as a, you know, a fan, I have a family, I have a, I have, I feel like I have a bazillion hobby jobs that always pull me in different directions and where's the balance in making sure that I'm not doing one thing so exclusively that, that everything else falls to the wayside and I get burnt out. You know, how many, where's, where is that kind of line? I don't know if there's an answer to that, yeah, but I, that's the struggle, isn't it? Not quite a work-life balance, more of a life-life balance. A life-life-life-life balance. <laughs> I know we always talk about our hobby jobs because I'm, I'm like resumes are really hard because I do like I have like four different jobs right now that I do different things for and it's just one of those things as a musician I think musicians can really relate to that oh yeah well I play with this guy and I do this and I do this and this, this. Um, you wear many hats which is why it keeps it fun and fresh but it's also a lot of work um, I am more organized than I've ever been in my life <laughs> <laughs> you have to be which is sometimes hard um, other than that I don't know I th oh, um, I think with that balance, I think doing more than one thing and more one more than one genre is really rewarding, because I think if you eat, sleep, and breathe one style of music, it you get really, really good at it. Um, but I think you might lose interest in it after a while. So it's nice every now and again to go have a little foray into another style of music or another sure. instrument. Or another. ukulele's been really helpful for me because I'm like, oh, sweet, now I can do something completely different from a classical approach. Um, and and yeah. shake it up a little bit. Come, come up with ideas that you wouldn't have had otherwise or yeah. come up with things that you can incorporate into it and kind of yeah. expand it and grow it. And I mean, that, that's how art grows in, in right. the first place. And it gives you a broader perspective. And then the coolest thing is that then you can take that perspective back into your original niche and kind of transform it a little bit, if, you know, or or rejuvenate with and re-energize what you were doing before because you have a different perspective on what other styles do. Well, and, and that's similar to traveling or living abroad. Right. It's the you know, same thing, just a different perspective on the same world. Right, exactly right. And it, I think it makes you such a well-rounded person and such a, um, I don't know, such a, a, a global citizen, so to speak. Global citizen in life and in music. You can be a, and, and appreciate all different styles of music and percussion and world music and jazz and right. early music. It's all cool and all has some really amazing qualities. And the more I like learn about different styles of it, the more I just want to be involved in all of it. And it's a little crazy. But it, it gets overwhelming. <laughs> there's just so much out there. How could you ever learn it but all? But you can never get bored. I yep. mean, really, there's something to be lear to learn and to experience musically all the time and, and really appreciate. So it's really fun. Cool. Well, if people want to find out more about what you got going on and what the future holds, uh, where should they go? Uh, www.musicatmainstreet, so musicatmainstreet.com. Awesome. Danielle Gillespie, thank you so much for thank sitting you. down with Thanks us and exploring me. these uh, ideas and concepts. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Stage. If you have ideas for future episodes or work in a non-performing role in the music industry and would like to tell your story, please contact me at drew at boomermusiccompany.com. I'm Drew Holmes. Thank you for listening as we explore careers in music beyond the stage.